welcome to our channel as you take your time to listen to god's word today with us we believe and pray that your faith will be strengthened up and we hope that this sermon will be a blessing to you as well as your family turn to the person look at them and tell them happy pentecost sunday that is good happy pentecost sunday to everybody online as well you know, in John chapter 14, from verse 15 onwards, we see that Jesus is talking to his disciples before his, before his ascension. Last week, uh, we had Pastor Emil who spoke on Christ's ascension and its importance and its purpose and how valuable it is and what happens after that is what we're going to look at today. On the day of Pentecost, what really happened? And before this, in John chapter 14, from verse 15, we see that Jesus is telling them and giving them a promise saying that, hey guys, we had a great time together in ministry. Now, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to die soon, but I will rise again. And after I rise again, don't think I'm going to stay with you forever. I need to go back to my father. I need to go back to the one who sent me. But then I promise you this. After I go, I will send someone who will be with you and he will never leave you. That's the promise. That's the promise. That's the promise of the Holy Spirit. Now Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit coming and he's saying that he is with you and then he will be in you. And when he's in you, you'll be filled by the Spirit and you will encounter my presence like never before. Now this year, God gave us a theme called pray like never before. God is going to continuously give us moments um, do, throughout this year like never before. The title of my sermon this morning is Life in the Spirit. How this promise applies to our life every day. Holy Spirit, when He comes in us, what happens? Now, on a typical Pentecost Sunday, everybody will take the passage of Acts chapter 2. And, uh, you, know, you, you know, you all know the story, what happened in Acts chapter 2. If you don't know, you can go home and read it. The Holy Spirit fell on all the disciples, everybody who were gathered on the upper room. Everybody, you know, spoke in different languages. They received the gift of tongues and they were empowered. Peter stood and preached. 3,000 people got saved right? That's the day of Pentecost, the, the, the day that the church was born, the day that the disciples were empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now, we all know this story. The, mo the moment you think of Pentecost, you think about the gift of the Spirit, speaking in tongues and, and, and prophesying and all these various different things. But my focus this morning is not going to be on the exhibit of the Holy Spirit, but I want to talk to you this morning on the inner working of the Holy Spirit. I want you to stay with me. It is more important to experience the inner working of the Holy Spirit and not be addicted to the exhibit of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to be very careful when I teach this to you, church, because today we live in a, in a culture, and this happens across many churches, that we give so much importance to the expression of the Holy Spirit on the outside. 
Now, the expression of the Holy Spirit on the outside is totally not under our control at all. When you pray, somebody would fall down. And we think that, ooh, when I pray, somebody's falling down. That's, that's, a, that's the power of the Holy Spirit now. And, and then the next time when somebody don't fall, doesn't fall down, then they start pushing them down. Then they start blowing on them. Come on. So for me, I don't know if they fell because of the Holy Spirit or because of bad breath. Some mint pastor. It could be anything. Now, don't get me wrong again. I'm not mocking the Holy Spirit. But I'm talking about how we can sometimes artificially hype the work of the, or the external exhibit of the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is full of surprises. He can push someone down and fill them, and He can also fill someone while they're standing. Now, let us not take control of the exhibit of the Holy Spirit or the expression of the Holy Spirit on the outside while we fail to experience the inner working of the Holy Spirit. Now, the inner working of the Holy Spirit is what we are first called to do, that is live a life that is filled in the Spirit. So that is what we're going to look at this morning. Is that okay with you, church? Are you excited? Shall we get to work? Yes. Okay, go with me to Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to read from verse 15 to 21. It'll come on the screen. Can we read it together? One, two, three, go. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs sing and make music in the heart to the Lord always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ submit to one another out of reverence for Christ this is our passage for this morning it's about seven verses and we're gonna look at this passage and we're gonna really understand what does it mean to live a life in the Spirit? Living a life in the Spirit. Now, Paul commands, be filled with the Spirit. I think the best way to go with this subject is to make it practical. Now, I don't want to give you a bunch of theologies and, and, and words that you don't understand. You might look, sit there and and put a facial expression that, that you understand everything that I am saying because we are really good at it. Oh yeah, of course, yeah, right? And you get nothing. And you go home and say, wow, the way pastor spoke, woo! What did, what did he say? I have no idea, but I know it was good. So we're going to make it simple. We're going to make this practical as possible as we can, right? Living in the Spirit. So we're going to ask three questions. 
three practical questions, and we're going to answer that through this passage. The first question is, what is being filled with the Spirit? What is it? Second question is, how do we know if we are filled in the Spirit? I believe many people have these questions. Number one is, what is being filled with the Spirit? Number two is, how do we know if you're filled in the Spirit? Number three is, how can we become filled in the Spirit? Are you okay? Yeah? Let's attack the first question. What is it that being filled in the Spirit looks like? What is being filled with the Spirit? Now, look at verse 15 and 16. Um, let's, let's go to verse 18. Do not get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, it's really surprising when Paul writes this, and, and I think I have to talk on this because it's there in the Bible. We've got to talk about wine today. Everybody excited? We're going to talk about alcohol today. Yes. It's there. Many commentators are surprised that Paul talks about alcohol in the same line with being filled by the Holy Spirit. Now, why does he do that? Why in the world did he bring up getting drunk and being filled in the Spirit? Why would he talk about, you know, don't be drunk with wine? Now, you've got to understand the context and especially the Ephesian church and what they were going through. And it was quite a context, in, in, in that particular context, it was quite common where people were getting drunk with wine and being filled with wine and, and, and that particular thing that is dropped in their blood, it manifests in different ways. Now, if, you, if you've seen, I, I, I know none of you here have experienced this. You're all really good people, God's people, but, but I'm sure you have seen it outside in front of Tasmac and um, other places where people act funny when they're filled with alcohol, right? They do things that they've never done. Have you seen people when they're drunk, they, you know, that person would never ever in the right mind would walk in the middle of the road. But when they're filled with the wine or alcohol, ooh, the courage they get. They will measure the road from left to right and make sure the width of the road has not reduced. They're happy to walk in the middle of the road. They're happy to talk to strangers that they've never spoken to. They are, when they're not filled with alcohol, they're so scared to talk about their problems to a counselor, but when they are filled with alcohol, they'll announce the problems of their life to public. They'll talk about everything in public. So they do a lot of crazy things when they're filled by alcohol. Now, let, the fact about alcohol is Many people think that alcohol makes you brave and happy. You know why it makes you brave and happy? Because it's a depressant. You can look it up. It's a depressant. It has a chemical that actually is the category of depressants. In other words, alcohol makes you brave and happy by depressing your brain 
and showing you less of reality, less of your problems. Now, this is why guys, when they go through breakup, they want to make up with a bottle of whatever it is. They want to stop feeling. Basically, it numbs the reality of your life. The depressant in alcohol, the chemical numbs the reality of what is happening in your brain and makes you do things that you have never done before. Now, Paul is bringing up this, and in the same line, he's talking about being filled in the Holy Spirit and is making a comparison because when you're filled by the Holy Spirit, it does not depress the reality of your brain. In fact, it does the exact opposite. Stay with me. When you're filled by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit does not make you forget the realities and troubles of your life. Rather, the Holy Spirit enlightens the problems of your life, the reality of your life, but he, and He also gives you a greater revelation of who God is over your problems. So when you're filled by the Spirit, you will also do things that others have not done before. You will also walk, but not like the person who is drunk. But you will, because the person who is drunk in wine, in alcohol, they do things that is foolish. But when you're filled by the Spirit, it does the exact opposite because your brain is not numb to the problems. Your brain is active to see what the troubles are in your life, but it's even more active to see how great God is. So what happens is that when you're filled by the Spirit, it activates your faith and you have a heightened experience of your faith. When you have a heightened experience of your faith, you make decisions not on the facts that is on the paper, you make decisions on faith. Faith does the opposite of the fact. The fact of the matter was in 2019, COVID hit, we had a lockdown. The fact of the matter was we did not need a bigger building. In fact, everybody was shrinking down. But the fact of the matter is that people were trying to cut down expenses. The fact of the matter was that many people lost jobs. The fact of the matter is that many people were going through depressing situation. But God raised a generation in King City Church that was not dependent on the fact of the matter, but rather being filled by the Spirit, we did the exact opposite of what everybody else was doing. When the company was letting go people, when companies were shrinking their spaces, we said, being filled in the Spirit, we said we are going to expand. So by the time COVID was complete, by the time all the lockdown was lifted up, God gave us a bigger space and we celebrated God together. Now that is a life filled in the spirit, walking in faith and do th does things differently and does not follow the pattern of the world, but transformed by the renewal of your mind because you're filled by the spirit. Are you with me, church? When everything breaks loose and people make different choices, 
Because the moment the alcohol weighs out and you become sober and you're heavy in your head and something happens the next morning and you think, why on earth did I do that? And you again plan to do the same thing. But when you're filled by the Spirit, the Spirit does not wear out. The Spirit, you, you should not become sober without the Holy Spirit, but rather be sober, filled in the Holy Spirit, because every day the Holy Spirit will lead you in a way that is so fresh, in parts that you've never been before. You might have facts that is facing you, but you will walk in faith. You will walk in freedom. You will walk in restoration. Doctors might declare saying that you are sick, but you will declare I am healed. People might look at you and tell you, you are good for nothing. But you will declare out of your mouth saying that I can do all things through one who strengthens me. People might say, oh, it's scary. The future is scary. But we will say the future is bright. Because he is there in the future. Can somebody say amen? You see... Living a life in the spirit is not about making you feel good. This is why many people turn to, now alcohol is just one example of, of temporary fix. You might not take alcohol, but you go to other things. Some people are drunk by online shopping. That's a way of distracting them with the present troubles. Hello? Anybody here listening to this? Some people distract themselves and they're drunk by video games. They're drunk with social media. There are various forms of alcohol. Alcohol is basically a substance that goes inside you and gets you addicted so that you will forget the present. Many people go into various substances like social media, shopping, you get into relationships that you're not supposed to get into because that particular relationship makes you feel good now, even though you know it's not going to last for long because it's not a God-centered relationship. Hello? You know it. You know it. But it makes you feel good now. Anything that you get into that makes you feel good now you know it's not going to last forever, and you know it's not a permanent solution. But this morning, I'm here to tell you, walk away from that and walk into the permanent solution that God has for your life. Faith is the substance of the things that we do not see. And the substance comes from living a life that is filled in the Spirit. Living a life that is filled in the Spirit. I love what C.S. Lewis says. This is what he said. I did not go to Christianity. Come on, watch this. I did not go to Christianity to make me happy. I always knew a bottle of port. Port is a wine. I always knew a bottle of port would do that. If you want a religion to make you feel really comfortable, I certainly don't 
recommend Christianity. If you want a religion to make you happy, I do not recommend Christianity. That's what C.S. Lewis said. The reason is that we are not called to live a life that is just happy. Because you define happy, it's, it's, it's momentary. You can be happy one minute and you can be not happy the next minute. It can be one notification on your Instagram that takes you from happy to not happy. It can be one phone call that takes you from happy to not happy. It, it takes just one word by somebody that takes you from happy to not happy. What does it mean to live a life in, that is in the fullness of His Spirit? It is basically to say, I close my eyes to the fact of this world and I open my eyes to heaven with faith. And in that faith, I move boldly. I move courageously, which means that I'm not looking for happiness in life. I am filled with the joy of the Lord in my life. Now, the joy of the Lord is different. Even when I don't see it, I know God is working. That's the joy of the Lord. Even when everything is against me, I will jump up and down because I will sing, freedom, there's freedom, there's freedom. You know why? I have the joy of the Lord in me. You know why I have the joy of the Lord in me? Because I'm filled by the Spirit. And when the Spirit of God is filled in your life, you experience joy. That's what God offers for you. Are you ready for the next question? <clears throat> How do you know? How do you know if you're filled with the Spirit? See, Paul is talking about this, verse 15, 16. Be very careful how you live. You've got to be careful how you live. Your choices matter. Turn to the person next to you, look at them and tell them, your choice in life is really important. Wow, what a secret. The pastor said your choice in life is really important. I don't know what he's talking about. Come on, can we say it like really boldly? Your choice in life is important. Because you are important to God. So am I. We are important to God. And how you live is important. Be very careful. Paul is writing this. Be very careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. In other words, Paul is saying, if you want wisdom, you need to be filled by the Spirit. So how do you know that you're filled by the Spirit? Here are seven signs that I want to give you that you will know that you're live, living a life in spirit and not in flesh. Because the opposite of spirit is your flesh. If you are not filled by the spirit, you will make choices based on your flesh. Your flesh will say, me, I, me and I only. Are you with me? What I feel is so much more important than what you feel 
or what you feel about me. And also, we live in a postmodern culture where we have the freedom of speech. And we say, I don't care what you think about me. Because the me and me, I like it. The me and me and the me and you and the you and the me is one and the same. And there are so many theologies out there like this and people are watching this online and, and offline and talking to people. We live in a culture where we say, hey, let's agree to disagree and live the rest of our lives and move on. Now, God's people can't do that because we cannot agree to disagree because we are called to agree based on God's word. We cannot be a church that lives life and has matters in our life that is left in such a way that where we agree to disagree. That's not an option for the church. Hello? Oh, really, pastor? My goodness. What do I do about that? What do you do about it is that you go to the Word of God. Because if you make choices that is centered around culture, you put culture in the middle, and if you make choices centered around culture, then what is the dominant voice in your life? Hello? The faster you speak, the faster I speak. So if you want to go have lunch, it's on you, not on me. If you have culture as the center of your life, what is the dominant voice in your life? If you have family as the center of your life, what is the dominant voice in your life? If you have Friends, as the center of your life, what is the dominant voice in your life? Now, whatever that is dominant in your life will lead your choices. You agree with me? England, 60 years back, churches were full. People were walking down the streets, suited and booted, and carrying the Bibles. If you go to England now, churches are empty. You know what's full? Football stadium. Football stadiums. You know why? They allowed culture to be at the center of their homes. They allowed a particular sport to be the dominant factor of everything that they did. And now the entire country is filled in stadiums on Sunday morning while churches are sold to Chinese restaurants, pubs, and Sikhism. Do, do you understand the power of dominance of culture? So what do you speak about the most is because that is the dominant factor in your life. So if you put Jesus at the center of your life, if you put Holy Spirit as the center of your life, if you put God's word at the center of your life, then our culture becomes different. Our culture is not Indian, is not British, it's not American, it's not anything else, it's kingdom culture. Because kingdom culture flows from the word of God. So when you put Jesus at the center, the Holy Spirit is automatically in the, in the center because you have given God's word to be the authority of your life. Because God's word is at the center of your life. Where there is word, there is the spirit. Word and spirit works together. 
You cannot have one and not the other. Many people say, oh, I believe in God the Father. I believe in God the Son. The Holy Spirit part I'm not too sure about. I'm like, dude, if you reject the Holy Spirit, you're rejecting God. You can't pick and choose from the Trinity. They are one. And they operate together. So if the Word is at the center of your life, then the Holy Spirit is at the center of your life. If the Word and the Holy Spirit is at the center of your life, what, you know what are you doing? You're pushing everything away to the edge of your circle. And the choices that you make in life is wise choices from that moment onwards. When you have the Word at the center, when you have Jesus at the center of your life, every choice that you make is a wise choice. Now let me tell you something. It will look wise in the eyes of the word of God, but it will look stupid to the world. You know why most of the times we become scared and remove Jesus and remove the word from the center of your life? Because when you are making God-centered decisions, you know that gang that is standing around and watching you? They all say, oh my goodness, you are stupid. And when everybody says you are stupid, we become scared. You know why we become scared? Because you have given the authority of acceptance to the world. I want to be accepted by everybody. Watch me. Listen to me carefully. You can be accepted by the word and be rejected by the world. You can't have both. You can't have both. You either be accepted by the word of God and be rejected by the world, but you can't have both. The reason is, everything that God's word teaches us is the exact opposite of what the world wants us to do. That's why in John 15 from verse, John chapter 14, you see that Jesus is saying, the world cannot accept him that is the Holy Spirit, or cannot see Him, that is the Holy Spirit, because they are not expecting Him. But on the other hand, you know Him. The reason that you know Him is because He's not far from you, He's in you. Come on, somebody say amen. The Holy Spirit is in you. And when you have the Holy Spirit in you, the choices that you make has to be different. How do you know you're filled by the Spirit? You will know because there is a wisdom that flows in your life and you make different choices. Like how Paul writes here, you will be very careful in how you live. You will not spend money like everybody. You will not get married like everybody. You will not flirt with every single girl that you see. Hello? I'm, I'm, I'm being straight here today. You will not flirt with every single boy that you see. You are more precious and you don't have time for flirting. What you have time for is by being to be filled in the spirit. When you're filled in the spirit, you don't need the method of flirting to find another girl or another boy. Hello? Christian dating does not or should not or will not include flirting. 
when you're filled by the Spirit. Ow! My God! What's happening today? Are you saying flirting is wrong? You decide that for yourself. I'm not here to point out what's wrong and what's right. I'm here to point out the Word of God. When you know the Word of God, you know and you will know what is right and wrong. So what am I trying to say? If you are a young girl, if you're a young man, you're a young woman, and you're living a life that is God-centered, Word-centered, filled by the Spirit, you will find another person who is also filled by the Spirit. Who is looking for somebody who is filled by the Spirit. And the Spirit will connect you both. So you don't really need to work so hard to flirt and take that person to a restaurant and spend money and all that. You can do all that after you're married. Save some money. If you want to save some money before you're married and skip the whole flirting part, be filled by the Spirit. I hope you're getting what I'm saying. When the Holy Spirit flows in you, see, you've got to live countercultural. Being filled by the Spirit is a counterculture life. Don't be like the same like everybody else. If you're filled by the Spirit, you walk in confidence, you walk in faith. God has prepared a man for you. God has prepared a woman for you who will walk in and who is also equally filled by the Spirit and you are married together already in the vision and the mission that God has for your life and when you come together, it is so much more powerful and you have a better story to tell. Number two, if you're filled with, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you will have joy, constant joy, in the midst of your problems and troubles. A person who is, how do I know, how do I know I'm, I'm filled by the Spirit? A person who's filled with joy, or filled by the Spirit of God, will always be thankful to God. Because gratitude is not determined by what you feel, but is determined by the overflowing presence of God's faithfulness in you. That is why you can keep singing. I see you move, you move the mountains. I believe. God of my past, God of my present, God of my future. I know you're in absolute control. If you're filled by the Spirit, your attitude will always be, God, I don't know what you're doing, but I know that you're working. You will keep singing, even when I don't see it, God, you're working. If you're a person filled by the Spirit, you will sing out His praises all the time. You don't wait for Sunday to sing out praises. When you're walking through the doors, you'll be singing praises. You will come with worship. You will not come to receive worship. You will come to give worship. Man, that'll be easy for the job of the worship leader, right? Imagine you, before you even strike the first chord and people just break out singing. 
I, I'm, I'm waiting to see that moment. I'm waiting to see that, that culture. I'm waiting to see that kind of move of God happen at King City Church. When you're filled by the Spirit, how do you know if I'm filled by the Spirit? You will know that God is near you because you will sense His presence all the time. How do I know that I'm filled by the Spirit? Spirit-filled people are always talking about what God is doing in their life. Spirit-filled people will always talk about what God is doing in their life. They don't talk about what God is not doing because what God is not doing is not what you need to be bothered about. If you can be bothered about what God is doing, you'll find joy. I mean, why on earth would you go to a place where you clearly know that God is not doing anything about it and you can see on the other side that God is doing something which means that where God is working, His presence is there and I might as well be attached to what God is doing so that I can feel His presence. I can have more of Him. If you have that in you, you know that you're filled by the Spirit. Lastly, how can we become filled by Spirit? Maybe, as I said this, you're like, Pastor, I'm lacking all this. I want to become filled by the Spirit. Can I say something to you? You see, if you want to be filled by the Spirit, you need to be filled by Christ more. If you can be filled by Christ more, you will experience the grace of God more. The more you experience God's grace, grace is the access point for the overwhelming sense of Holy Spirit to come into your life. If you want to experience the overwhelming sense of the Holy Spirit in your life and you have guilt, that's a roadblock. God wants to unplug guilt from your life. Grace is the tap through which His presence and the Spirit flows. Listen to me carefully. If you go to God's presence saying that, oh, I'm going to pray for 10 hours. I'm going to do this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop doing this so that I can feel God's presence. That's not how it works because what you're doing is you're putting your own effort and seeking God through your own effort. We are not saved by our works. The Bible clearly says you're not saved by works. You're saved by grace. Which means that the more and more the grace of God is filled in your life, the more and more Christ increases. The more and more Christ increases, grace increases. The more and more grace increases, guilt disappears. Shame disappears. Your past has no control over your life. Your present is secure in Jesus. You will live a life that is word-centered and not culture-centered. You will live a life that is not dominated by other people's influence or other people's opinion, but the only opinion that matters in your life will be God's word. You will make choices that nobody else makes in your college. You will make choices that nobody else makes in your school. You will make choices and you will see the blessing and the fruit 
of the Holy Spirit working in your life because you have decided to live a life carefully under the wisdom of God, by being filled in the Holy Spirit, by having the Word centered in your life, and you will start seeing a different kind of lifestyle. If you can stand with me, church, this morning, can we all just stand together? And, we could, and if we could sing that song, Shekinah Glory, and I want you to stay with me as we, you know, as we meditate on this last part. You know, how do I, you know, how can I be filled by the Spirit? It says in verse 19, always giving thanks to God the Father, for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is that name that is important. The name of Jesus Christ is the source of His Spirit to be filled in your life. The dominance of Jesus, the filling of Jesus. Pastor, how do I increase the presence of God in my life? Have a dedicated time where you read God's word every day. Please, church, you gotta, you gotta have a dedicated time where you study God's word, where you meditate on God's word. Actually, I said that wrong. Don't read the Bible. Meditate on God's word. Read the newspaper. Read your Instagram feeds and all that. That's just reading. This is a living word and we are called to meditate on it day and night. Meditate on it day and night. Thank you for listening to our sermon today with us. Hope that it was a blessing for you as well as your family. And if you would like to support our ministry, you can do so by visiting kingcitychurch.org forward slash give. And we will meet you with another inspiring sermon next week. God bless you.